Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. Fear feels bigger than my faith. Struggles steal my breath away. My back's pressed up against the wall with the weight of my world. Today. 
before Jesus went to the cross, he was talking to his friends, he was talking to the disciples, and he prayed. He prayed, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I think when he said they, he was talking about his friends, believers that were with him, and he was talking about us. And he prayed, I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And there are two things I was hoping that we could think about that we could put in our minds today as we worship. And the first one is that Jesus and the Father are one. So close together, so joined in identity, so united that there is no separation. Jesus and God are one. And here's the second thing. There is power in the name of the Lord. The Bible says God the Father shares his name and his name is the Lord. He shares that name with his son, Jesus. There is no competition between the Father and the Son, and there is no separation. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Philippians 2.9, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name.
Tomorrow morning, we start 21 days of prayer, and I'm so excited for that to begin. Um, and it, just what that is, if you haven't heard about it, it is a uh, 21 days of video devotions that are going to be available to all of us. Uh, all of our ministers are participating in these 21 days of devotions, and uh, they are things that are going to show up on our website. They're going to be available on social media, but even easier than all of that is that you can have them show up right in your own email box. Every single day, you'll get a new devotion during those 21 days. And um, the, the easy way to do that, you can, you can just go to our website. Um, it's fccetown.com. You can even go to the website right now if you wanted to, fccetown.com. And what you'll see is that logo right there pop up on the front page. And there's a little button there that says sign up for Devos. And you click on that button and it asks you for your name and your email address. And that is it. And you are signed up if you do that, and it'll get into your box every day. And I, I know that many of you have already kind of set yourself up for that, and we hope that many more will. You can pass that out to whoever you want, that they can be a part of this, because the goal of the whole thing is that during those 21 days, during three straight weeks, that we would all have one single prayer that we are praying, that we are praying collectively and that we are praying individually, and that prayer is simply this, God, show me how to be a light. And so each day, we hope that you'll spend just a few minutes with us as we kind of get our thoughts and prayers around this idea of God, show me how to be a light. And it's all connected to the series that starts today. And this very new series called Be a Light is not just about these three weeks that we're going to spend together, but it's actually the beginning of an emphasis that is going to be a part of us for the next year at least, and hopefully even beyond that. And as we start this whole thing and, and begin with Be a Light, I, I want to ask a question that I think you would agree with. Um, wouldn't you agree that over the past couple of years, it feels like we have been living in an era of darkness? And you go back to March of 2020, and starting then as COVID kind of rocked our world and rocked our lives and our schools and our churches and our kids and our families and mental health and just struggles and economy and jobs and careers. And now, right now, the, the, the COVID, whatever it is, doesn't even 
give us a definite end of things and the future is uncertain. We have seen in those two years the darkness of racism rear its ugly head over and over and over again. Politically, at least in my lifetime, things have never been more divisive or polarizing than what we have experienced over the last couple of years. And if you wonder if any of that is really true and whether that's actually happened, all you have to do is pay attention to some of the posts that people that you know and love have posted on their social media forms because there we can say whatever we want and, and not feel any grievance or any pushback. And so there has been this feeling of darkness, especially as we now watch the images showing up from the other side of the world and the dark times that are happening in war-torn Ukraine. And we sense the darkness that they are experiencing. And we even sense the darkness that exists in Russia from people who want nothing to do with this war but know that this war has their name all over it. And it is a dark, dark era. And yet, for many of us, that's kind of the global and world sense of darkness, but darkness is far more personal for us. And so for some of us, it's an economic darkness that we are working our way through right now. And even this week, you've had to think through what bills am I going to pay and what bills am I going to wait on because you're just trying to make it through. And, and you're trying to have a house or utilities or a business by next month, and so you're having to navigate all of that. Or, or maybe it's a relational darkness that you're dealing with, and it's a relationship you have, a friendship that you have. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your kids but there is darkness there. Or maybe, maybe it's a spiritual darkness that you're dealing with. You wouldn't call it that. You wouldn't give it that term, but what else do you call something when you have all the stuff that the world says you're supposed to have and yet you still feel absolutely empty inside? And there are some of us who are just living in an era of darkness. And yet, that's not a new sense in our world. 2,000 years ago, um, there were a, a large part of the world that were experiencing and living through darkness and what felt so cold and so dark to them. And then Jesus showed up. And right into that darkness, Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That's Jesus, who is God with us, God among us, who came and said, look, I am the light into the darkness. But Jesus was also very specific. It wasn't that everyone was going to experience the light. He was very clear on this, that it was whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that he's a light. And so maybe this morning, that's the greatest thing that you can be reminded of, is that if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been experiencing that darkness and you've let that darkness overtake you, would you be reminded right now that you have the light of the world in your life at the center of your life? But maybe you're here this morning and that's not you. And you're still investigating, you're still kind of checking all this out and you're just not sure. I, I'm here to tell you that he wasn't lying. 
He is the light in the darkness. But what Jesus came for was that he doesn't just want those who follow him to experience his light. What Jesus wants is for those who are followers of him to be a light into the darkness in their world, into the darkness of other people's lives. And so Jesus, again, using the same idea of light and dark, said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16, he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, one of the guys that heard Jesus say these kinds of words was a man named Levi. Now, Levi um, is one who is more commonly known to us in the Bible as Matthew. But Matthew, when he heard Jesus, he was kind of captured by this idea that Jesus was saying. Because when Matthew heard Jesus say, look, you are the light of the world, so let your light shine before others, Matthew really started wrestling with and really got very thoughtful about how in the world he could be a light, what it meant for him to be a light in his world. And so ultimately, that's the same wrestling match that I am praying for and have been praying for and have been hopeful would happen with you that you would wrestle with your own question of what does it mean for me to be a light? What does it mean and how can I be a light in my world so that others can see the light of Jesus in the middle of the darkness? Well, today I, I wanna reimagine what Matthew's story was like because he shows us kind of where his wrestling match took him. And the story shows up for us in Luke chapter five. And so if you've got your Bible with you today, open with me to Luke chapter five. If you've got a phone or a tablet that has a Bible app on it, open to, to Luke chapter five to verse 27 is where this whole thing gets started. And, and we're gonna kind of unpack the story that happens with, with Jesus and Matthew and this wrestling match that was going on in his heart. Verse 27 starts with Jesus asking Levi, and again, that's Matthew, asking him to, to follow him. He, he asked Matthew, hey, come and follow me, and Matthew was a tax collector, we're told. And a tax collector, it's a, it's a very lucrative occupation to have, but it was also a very hated occupation. Nobody liked tax collectors. Maybe we can understand that, but, but there were even deeper reasons than there are today. But though Matthew was outwardly successful, it appears as though he was inwardly very dissatisfied and, and very unfulfilled. And he was able, with all that he made, all the money that he had to afford gadgets and toys and clothes and uh, houses and vacations and cars and uh, vacation uh, extensions and additions to be put onto his home. And, and, and he had all these different things and yet something was missing. And the reason that we know that something was missing 
is that when Jesus challenged Matthew, hey, come and follow me, the Bible tells us that he left everything to come and follow Jesus. So when Matthew decided to leave behind tax collecting to go and become a follower of Jesus, it meant that it was going to cost him lots and lots and lots of money and lots and lots of future money. But as we keep reading through Luke chapter 5, apparently just a short time after Matthew started following Jesus, and we don't know exactly how long it was, Matthew decides and makes a decision to have a special party at his house. It's a party where he's going to invite all of his old buddies from his old life and kind of let them mix with Jesus and Jesus' disciples. And we don't know exactly how he came up with this idea to throw this party and mix the two groups together. But we do know that it was an idea that he had and that he, he seemed to share with Jesus because Jesus came to the party and Jesus knew what the party was going to be about and who was going to be there. And, and so anyway, at, at whatever point, they, they had this, this question. And maybe the reason that the question was out there to, hey, can I throw a party and have you show up at it, was because maybe a few days into his following Jesus, Matthew thought to himself, holy cow, you know what, I, I left my office and I forgot to clean it out. And so... He went back to his tax collecting office and he grabbed his laptop, you know, and had that special pen that he always used on all the tax forms that was in that little cup that was on the side of the desk. Had the pictures of his family sitting on the back shelves, tax collector of the month awards on his wall. He had to get all those things and put them in his cardboard box and as he's walking out of his office, he looks down the hallway at this row of cubicles and he sees the tops of the heads of all these people that he has spent 15 years or more tax collecting with. Now, as I said before, being a tax collector is a hated position. So really, the only people that you could get to hang out with you if you were a tax collector was other tax collectors. This was his whole friend group. These were the people that he hung out with. These are the people that he did lunch with. These were the people that he had office pools with. These are the people that, that he was involved in that fantasy chariot racing league together, you know, and they picked out which horse was going to win. These were his drinking buddies. And as he's holding that cardboard box and he's looking down this, this hallway of cubicles, it, it hits him. These guys haven't experienced the light in their darkness like I have. They're still living in this spiritual darkness that's happening to them. And it overwhelmed him to think that, that his buddies weren't headed into an eternity in heaven one day. And maybe just for a moment as he stood there and he thought about all of that, it just hit him and he, in a frustration, he kind of cried out to God and he said, God, how can I be a light to my buddies? And then like a bolt of lightning, it hit him. I could throw a party. Because Matthew was really good at throwing parties. There were people who talked about Matthew's parties. And so Matthew decides, I think, I think maybe I'm going to throw a party and invite all my old buddies along with Jesus and his disciples. And what if in the midst of that party, there's these conversations that start off and those conversations turn into spiritual conversations and these little embers start to, to burn in the lives of some of my friends and they start to find the light in their life too. 
And he knew it was risky. He, he knows that starting and, and sharing the light of Jesus in this very unique and kind of weird way had never really been done before. But Jesus agreed to come. And so Matthew decides to have a party. And so he heads to Sam's and he gets the little meatballs and the little quiches. I love the little quiches. And he gets the little smokies and he gets the 40 pack of water and cases of other things because he knows who's coming to the party. And, and he starts to put his list together. And he starts to list off five guys, maybe, maybe 10 guys. We don't know how many. But he starts to make out his invitation list of people he wants to invite to this party. And Matthew's become a follower of Jesus and he's been surrounded by what prayer can do. And so Matthew, before he does anything else, starts praying for his invitation list. So let me, let me pause the story right there for just a second. If you had that opportunity and you don't even have to throw the party, what if you knew Matthew and, and Matthew told you, hey, you could bring your friends to my party too. Jesus is gonna be there. Who would you invite? Who are your five that you would write down and that you would invite to come and hang out with Jesus and his disciples for just a little bit and see what might happen there? Who are the people that you would be praying for that they would have an encounter with Jesus? You probably already have those names or at least a few of them that just popped into your head right then. But when it comes to what the text says, it, it turns out that Matthew's party was a huge bash and everybody was having a blast. His old friends were mixing with Jesus and the disciples. And can, can you just imagine what was going on there? I, I, I picture Matthew kind of over by the punch bowl, you know, and he's at that table that's got everything on it and he's just making sure everything's refilled and everything's you know, where it needs to be and he's cleaning up the napkins that have been tossed on there and he's just looking around and he notices that over on the other side of the room that there's some of his buddies and maybe they're leaning on the mantle by the fireplace and Jesus is sitting in the leather chair that's by the fireplace and and Jesus is just telling a story. Because Jesus tells great stories. And all of his friends are just captivated. And they're riveted to everything Jesus is saying. They're leaning in and they're laughing and they're smiling. And Matthew, Matthew's thinking, man, this is, this is better than I ever imagined this being. And then the Bible says that they showed up the religious heat. The judgmental Pharisees, the religious elite, the, the, the negative teachers of the law, they all walked into the room and they, they were not happy with everything that they saw. They didn't even know what it was that they were seeing, but Jesus was there so they were interested. And what they noticed was that this whole be a light thing that's going on, whatever this is, they're not happy with. And the veins are starting to kind of pull out on their forehead as they're walking through the room. And the tassels on their robes, because they have tassels on their robe, they're just kind of flying all over the place because they're so frustrated with what they see. And they, they, they just think Jesus has gone too far this time. And their biggest complaint is not to Matthew. It's his house, it's his party, but their complaint is to Jesus. And the, the complaint is very specific. It shows up in Luke chapter five, verse 30. You can see it in your Bible, but here's what it says. They say to Jesus, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? 
In other words, you are a religious leader whether we like you or not. So why in the world are you eating and drinking with immoral, profane, sinful, dark, greedy, heartless, faithless, irreligious people? And they said it loud enough that I can bet in the room that the needle scratched across the vinyl of the record player and the music stopped. And all the conversations that were all over the room, they just hit pause for a while because everybody wanted to see where this was gonna go. And Jesus stood up And he said, you guys just don't get it, do you? You just don't get it. You have all your religious education. You have all of this depth of knowledge when it comes to doctrine and theology. With all of the scripture memorization that you've done, you still don't get it. And word for word from the scripture, this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered them, it is, not a doc- it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. What Jesus says is, look, I did not come here to create a country club so that all these members could be a part of it and feel like they were part of the elite. I came to build a hospital for sinners. And that was the end of the conversation. There's nothing else recorded about that moment. And I can just imagine in my mind, it's the Pharisees and it's the teachers of the law, it's the religious leaders with their mouths just wide open and their brains are spinning trying to come up with something to reply back and they've got nothing. And so they they hitch up their robes and they spin and their tassels go flying and in a huff, they just leave the room. And somebody puts the needle back on the record and the music starts back up and the conversations keep going. And this part's not in the text, but maybe it gets later in the night and it's like one or two in the morning and the crowd's starting to thin out and and it's just Jesus and Matthew and they're just there and Matthew is walking Jesus out to the curb and he looks at Jesus and he's like, Jesus, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to my party. Thanks Thanks for loving all my friends. Thanks for taking the risk. Sorry about the Pharisees. Sorry they yelled at you. It was really embarrassing. But thanks. You can kind of just imagine in a moment like that that Jesus would put his arm around Matthew's shoulder and say, Matthew, I, I want to tell you a couple of things. And in fact, I want to tell you two things that I hope you never forget. There are two things about you. And he said, Matthew, number one, I love your heart. I love the fact that you have these friends that you recognize are are destined for hell. And you weren't going to let that happen without trying to do something about it. I love that about you. I love that you are so intentional about the love that's in your heart. So Matthew, please know I love your heart. And and number two is this. I love your courage. 
Because this whole party thing was a long shot. And you took the risk. You took the risk because you felt like it was risk-worthy. Because your, your friends' lives were on the line. And so don't forget it, Matthew. I love your heart. And I love your courage. And really, that was the heartbeat of Jesus with all of his disciples. With, with anyone who would follow him, he was challenging them and he was um, correcting them and he was encouraging them all along the way with those two messages. I love your heart and I love your courage. And that is the heartbeat that we want to have right here at First Christian Church too. That what we want to say to each one of us who are here is, look, I love your heart and I love your courage. See, just like Matthew, there's so many of you who have buddies, who have friends, who have family, who have neighbors, who have not found the light of Jesus yet. And so here's what we're doing. You may not know this, and honestly, we may not have said it well enough yet. But every Sunday, we are attempting to come alongside you and throw a party at First Christian Church on Sunday morning that is a lot like the Matthew party that, that Matthew was throwing because all he wanted to do was get his friends who didn't have the light in touch with Jesus and in connection with Jesus and let Jesus show them the light, which is what we're trying to do on Sunday morning every single week. We use music, we use videos, we use messages, we use worship, we, we use kid town ministries, we use elevate ministries for our students in middle school and high school and all of it is being done to help you be a light so that one day it results in little embers starting to burn in the hearts of those friends who currently do not have the light so that they might follow Jesus too. So I want to boldly challenge you. I want to challenge anyone and everyone who has ever experienced the light of Jesus in your own darkness who's ever experienced Jesus in your life before to join me in being a light and I wanna ask you to be a light in two very specific but profound ways. First of all, I wanna ask you to pray specifically. Pray specifically for five people who are already in your life who do not know the light of Jesus to be shining in their darkness right now. People that you know, five of them, who are not ready yet for their last day on this planet. Earlier I asked you if, if you were invited to come to Matthew's party and, and you had five friends that you could invite to come, who would those be? Would you write them down? Would you write down the five people that you would invite to come and meet Jesus. These can be friends, they can be family, they can be coaches, they can be mentors, they could be teachers or, or coworkers, they could be neighbors or, or gaming friends, or, or they could be uh, sports friends, they could be your fantasy league friends. That, they could even be people that you're not all that fond of. 
okay? Some of us have people in our life that, that are just, they're always in our world, but they kind of annoy us, okay? Maybe they need to end up on your list because it's a list of five people who are in your world who are currently living without the light of Jesus. And when you can think of your five, I wanna ask you to pray specifically for those five. Pray specifically, not, not that they would just kind of out of nowhere for reasons that are unbeknownst to you somehow interact with Jesus. I wanna ask that you would pray for God to show you how to be a light to those five names. And here's what I want you to do with those names, okay? You have a week to think through your five. And then next Sunday when you show up here, out in the commons, there is going to be a large display. And when I say large display, I mean large display. And the large display is gonna be a series of light bulbs that when they are all lit up will say, be a light. And on those light bulbs, you can come over and you can write your five names on those bulbs, just one bulb, all five names, and then you screw that light bulb into the display. It's like a giant adult-sized light bright. It's gonna be awesome, okay? You're gonna write those five names on a bulb, and you're gonna put it in the display. Now, this be a light display is not something that we're leaving up for just the three weeks of this series. We're leaving that in the commons for the next 52 weeks. So that every time that we walk through these doors, we are reminded of our need to pray for our five. Okay, because, and I wanna get this clear, it's great that we get to write names on a bulb and we get really excited about that when we get something like that that we can do. Um, it's not just about putting names on a bulb. Because ultimately what we really want you to do is to pray for those five names. Knowing that the stakes are high. And so let's pray specifically. Second thing that I want you to do is in the spirit of Matthew. Okay, so we're gonna pray specifically, but also looking for that opportunity to be a light. I want you to consider how you can invite boldly. Okay, just as Matthew invited boldly to his party and ignited some spiritual flames in the lives of some of the people who showed up, I wanna challenge you, here's the challenge, I wanna challenge you to bring five first-time guests, okay, those five people that are on your bulb, I wanna challenge you to bring five first-time guests to First Christian Church with you. Now, before you roll your eyes, before you say, ah, before you freak out, before you think, okay, I'm gonna wad that up because I'm not participating in that, Hang on, I don't need you to bring all five people on the same day. They may not like each other, you can work all that out later. Five first time guests, sometime in the next 12 months. Five. That you would bring five people to something going on around here at First Christian Church and let's see, let's wonder what God could do if we were more bold with our invitations, like Matthew was, and we brought five guests to us to church sometime over the next year, and see maybe if God wouldn't suddenly get involved and that many of them 
would find the light. Now, here, here's how that plays out. What if, what if all of us agreed to the challenge and all of us decided that we were gonna invite people to come to church with us um, and, and sit in a worship service with us? Or maybe it's that we're gonna kind of set on the calendar. I know a couple of those folks that if I would invite them to come and be here on Easter, which is just in like six weeks, if I can kind of build up the courage to make that ask, then six weeks from now they would come and, and be with me at Easter. Or maybe it's about something that you just heard about earlier in the service and there's this movie that's gonna happen here on March the 18th and you can invite somebody that's on your list to come and see a movie with you, quite honestly, in a place that's pretty awesome to watch a movie. And maybe they're movie people and, and that's something. Or maybe, you know, we're talking about 12 months and so in the summer we have something that's called FCC on the lawn that's gonna happen in, in June, I believe. And in July, we're gonna have a pool party at the, the, the community pool. And, and maybe those are things that you wanna invite people to come and be a part of and just let them hang out in the midst and see what Jesus does in the middle of all of that. Now, here's what that means. It may not mean that if 700 of us did that, because okay, we're including Kid Town in this. They're actually going to participate with their own bulbs next week. And we're including Elevate in this with our students in middle school and high school. If 700 of us had five names that we put on bulbs and put in that display. Yeah, it's 3,500 names. I did the math. It took me a week, but I got it done. 3,500 names. It doesn't mean that 3,500 people are going to find the light of Jesus. That's not what we're saying It'd be great if it was, but we understand percentages. But man, if 3,500 first-time guests got to hang out with Jesus for a little while, the possibilities of someone that you know finding the light of Jesus in their darkness goes way up. And so I'm asking you, like really, we've never asked around here before to boldly invite those who need the light of Jesus. But there is a downside. I mean, when you think about it, when you start, start talking about inviting friends that you know, there is a downside. What's the worst thing that could happen if you were to invite somebody to church or to something that's happening at church, there, there is the possibility, okay, there's risk, because Matthew had a risk in having the party. The people of the first century in, in Roman-occupied territory, they, they had a risk in sharing Jesus. You have a risk too. What's your risk? If you invite, invite somebody to church, or you invite somebody to a church thing, there is the possibility, get this, they could say, no thank you and be really polite about it. In the first century, when people were trying to share Jesus with their friends, they dipped them in tar and tied them to posts and lit them on fire so that they could be torches for Nero's garden parties that he was having at night. The worst thing that can happen is that someone could say to you, no thank you, I don't wanna go to your church. That is not the worst thing in the world. So would you pray specifically? And would you invite boldly so that you can be a light in your world 
and let's see what God does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we uh, can't say enough how delighted we are that you have included us in your kingdom and in your family and that you have allowed your light into our life. And for those of us who are here who have accepted the presence of that light in our life, we have recognized the impact that it can have on the darkness that is around us. But God, you never intended for us to just experience it and be delighted in experiencing it ourselves and and then never have it go any further. The whole idea was that we would be a light to others. And so God, we thank you for what Jesus has done, but would you help us to feel the challenge from him, the encouragement from him, the correction from him, that we would be people that would pray specifically for those who are far from you right now. Not looking down on them and not not thinking ill of them, but recognizing that we have something that could bring light into the darkness of their world. Would you help us to be willing to pray specifically for them and willing to invite them boldly? See, because of Jesus, it is all possible. Jesus is the one who has made it possible not only for my life and for the lives of us who are sitting in this room, but He's made it possible for everyone we know to know his grace, to know his love, to know his mercy, to know his forgiveness, to know his light. So God, please show us how to be a light. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask that you would stand with me this morning and and there may be some of you here who you hear all of this and you're still kind of in investigation mode You're still checking all this out and you're not sure whether this was all meant for you. It was meant for you. I wanna tell you that all of us have darkness that is happening and the only way through it, the only way through it is the light of Jesus. And if you don't know him, Today can be that day that you say yes to his grace, yes to his mercy, yes to his forgiveness. And maybe you're thinking, well, I know, but uh, baptism is something I've been thinking about, but I'm not really sure, because what if I get my hair wet? And it, you know, first of all, it's raining outside. Your hair's already wet, all right? But even if it's gonna get wet, we have hair dryers. Well, I didn't bring a change of clothes. We have a change of clothes. I didn't bring a towel. We have so many towels, okay? We'll take care of it but maybe this is a time that you need to say yes to Jesus and be baptized in his name, or maybe you wanna be a part of this church. We encourage you to be with us. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, man, that next step is to be right here at First Christian. We'd love to have you here. We had folks in first service who who joined. Uh, We were excited about that, and maybe that's a decision that you have to make. Man, this morning, we we just wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus yes to one of these decisions. If you, if you want to make a decision, we have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you. But for the rest of us, knowing the light that he has brought into our life, may we lift our voices in praise and worship to our God, to our King, to our Savior. Let's sing together. There was a moment when the 
lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on the cross they made for sinners For every curse is blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the end could know For the earth began to shake and the veil was torn What sacrifice was made As the heavens
hair. 